before we start the show, Maddie has something she'd like to say. Hello, everyone. Just a quick note from me, Maddie, to let you know that I'll be signing off of Let It Ride with True North for a little while as I take some time away to focus on my family. I just want to extend a giant thank you to everybody involved in the show. It has been a privilege of a lifetime, and I look forward to continuing to be involved as a listener going forward. Bye for now. Thank you, Maddie, for being a part of Let It Ride with True North. This will be Maddie's last episode with us for now. And for those who don't know, Maddie has been a huge help to me in more than just helping me host the podcast. She's been a real treat for me personally, and I will certainly miss you. We wish you nothing but the best of luck with whatever comes next, and we hope to hear from you soon. Okay, let's start the show. Welcome to Let It Ride with True North, the podcast where we interview people in trucking. Whether they're drivers, family, or simply in the industry, we are here to spotlight them and their experiences. I'm Milan, the Community Engagement Manager here at True North, and together with my colleague Maddie, we'll bring you real conversations and stories you won't find anywhere else on the road. Let's ride. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the show. Today, we have on Tom, True North's first owner-operator. Tom has been here from the very beginning. We talk about every milestone Tom contributed to True North's journey, from helping with the foundation of True North software, to onboarding our first drivers, to developing community within the fleet. Tom was critical to it all. We also talk about his tips and tricks to keeping your costs low as an owner-operator, from taxation rates to filling up less at the pump. Let's get into it. Hey, Tom. Thank you so much for wanting to be part of our little podcast. We're super excited to have you. I'm stoked to be here. Yeah. So, Tom, tell us where you're from and what your relationship with True North is. Sure. My name is Tom LaVarnway. I live here in Ovid, New York. And my relationship to True North is I am the first owner-operator leased on to True North. Heck yeah, you are. And so how many miles have you driven in general? And then how many miles have you driven with True North, if you had to guess? That's one of those things that really, it's a statistic that I've never really paid attention to. Because with the type of work that I prefer to do, it's shorter miles. So in my driving career, I've been driving truck now for about going on 13 years commercially, but that doesn't include farm equipment and the personal vehicle and whatever, but we drive everywhere. It's very seldom that we fly. So I would, I honestly don't have a number that I could even grasp. Were you always in trucking? No, not initially. I grew up helping a small family farm down the road and then graduated high school, went into the military. And then after military life, my dad was a carpenter by trade. So I thought, you know what, maybe this is something I should try. So I joined the local carpenters union and worked a couple of years as a union carpenter. And ultimately it just, it got to the point where, because where we live, 
if you weren't in like a shop environment, when you're an outdoor guy doing rough in carpentry, it could be very hit or miss. Winter time, you could be laid off or work outdoors when it's bitter cold. So I didn't really see myself with a long-term future doing the carpentry thing. And I've dabbled in a little bit of everything, worked in a parts store, a couple different farms here and there along the way. Other than that, there's a local company not too far from where Stacey and I live. And when I very first got in trucking, they had some of the most gorgeous trucks around here because the customized trucks, that part of the trucking really, I don't know, maybe I was young enough. I didn't really pay much attention, but for our area, they had some of the nicest trucks around. So it was one of those deals where I had gotten my class A a little while before and my wife Stacy and I were out driving around kind of job searching seeing what the next best thing was going to be pulled in there walked in the door talked to a fella a few days later got a phone call hey do you want to do a road test so I went back up did a road test and went to work for them and I worked for them for quite a while and then parted ways with them for a short time started hauling milk doing farm pickup and this is with your CDL, correct? Yep. This is all CDL work. I've hauled milk, run dump trailer, hauling grain and stone and all different types of things. And then through all this, everywhere has their small little trucking communities where everybody knows everybody. And so they started doing these summertime, very small, quote unquote, truck show with a big picnic and it's family oriented and so on and so forth. One of the guys that used to attend the show got to be friends with him and he ended up having one of his trucks needing a driver. So I went to work for him and we were hauling chicken manure, turkey litter, lime, all kinds of stuff. And it was really driven towards the egg markets. And other than the manure stinking, <laughs> I absolutely loved that job. You showed up, they got you loaded quick. And then because of the type of the trailer that we ran, we were actually doing deliveries direct to the farmer's fields. So we'd load at the facility and then we'd go to the farmer's field. We'd pull out in the field, we'd back in the field off the road. And a lot of times they'd have a spot already picked out where they wanted it. You literally start unloading onto the ground. And you make a pile, you close the door, you clean the back of the trailer up and you go back for another. And when you can do three, four or five loads a day, Monday through Friday, I was home every single night, never worked the weekend. The truck was, I really kept up on the truck. They had a wash boy that would wash the truck on the weekend. So how did you transition into being an owner operator? See, I've always worked for very small family owned companies. Like the fella I worked for before I bought my truck that I have now, it was myself, my boss, and one other guy. There was three of us. There was a part-time guy. He would fill in here and there if like we needed some time off or something like that. But working for a very small organization like that, you get to know what goes on behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. The paperwork, the phone calls, the dealing directly with the customers, 
working on the trucks yourselves, working on the trailers. In my opinion, you learn a greater appreciation for the truck and trailer when you have to work on it yourself and wash it yourself and help the boss. The boss will come and say, hey, we have ABC. What do you think is the best order to do them? So there was a lot of hand in hand, working back and forth. And for me, it was a very tough decision when Jin first approached and said, Hey, I know you've been talking about wanting to be an owner operator for several years. This is the opportunity that we're thinking about going with True North. What would you and think about buying a truck and being the first? Oh, okay. So you were not trying to be an owner operator. Not initially. So how did it feel to become an owner operator without having any experience to back you up? Quite honestly, it scared the ever living shit out of me. It was a huge transition because the fella I worked for, for True North, I treated his truck and trailer as if I was an owner operator. I figured out very early if the truck is broke or the trailer is broke and it's not running, I don't make money. The boss doesn't make money and nobody's happy. But at the end of the day, when you work for somebody, you can park the truck at the shop, close the door, get in your car and go home. But the reason why I say it scared me is because it all becomes your responsibility when you're an owner operator. You have to be good at managing money. You have to be good at managing your time. You have to be good at managing something as simple as your emotions. And did you know this when you signed on or was this something that you learned along the way? Some of it I knew going into it and some of it is things that have been learned and are still being learned. I had an old timer tell me once that the day that you think you know everything in trucking is the day you need to quit and go do something else because you're going to get yourself or somebody else hurt. Because you become complacent. That is something that has really stuck in my head forever. And it's so true. I just talked to a fellow the other day that we were talking about tax strategy. And he brought something up to me that I hadn't even been considering. And once you think about it and you write it on the paper, you're like, this might be the way to go. Well, that, that was something that I learned and I never expected to learn. I want to know, what's your tax strategy? That a lot of folks are talking about is the price of fuel. And the idea that we were talking about is it really comes down to how you manage your money. Either you can get upset about not having a big fuel discount. You might have to pay a little bit extra at the pump. But at the end of the year, when you sit down to go do your taxes, if you spent an extra, say, $5,000 a year in fuel out of your pocket. But then when you turn around and you go to use that as your tax deduction, $5,000 that comes off of your taxable income. So his perspective is, would I rather spend the money in fuel and drive my truck the way I want to drive it or give the money to the government as part of the tax check? Gotcha. So I guess it really comes down to perspective. So what's your perspective on that? Fuel has been going up. Do you have any tips or tricks that you would tell an owner operator to get through this? You can't necessarily 
have something locked in your head. So, okay, you pick up a load and that load is going from point A to point B and it's paying $2,000. And instead of filling your truck completely and spending $1,200 to fill your truck up, instead, be in tune with your truck. Know what your fuel mileage is. And unless you're empty, get enough fuel to get that load done. And the way I look at it, if I pick up that load A to B, it's paying two grand and it's going, let's say 250 miles. So that's four bucks a mile. So if my truck's getting, let's say six miles a gallon, I know I'm roughly going to need about 40 gallons of fuel, I think. So just to be on the safe side, maybe I'll get 50 to 60 gallons of fuel. So that way I have a little extra case I run into a traffic jam or whatever. Mm -hmm. And because you could get to point B, deliver your load, collect your $2,000 gross, but then you may find out that load I had lined up next might've fell through. So now I might be sitting there for a day trying to figure out, okay, what do I do? And by not spending the money to fill the truck up, now you have a little bit more flexibility that if you need to deadhead a hundred miles to get somewhere, 200, 300 miles, you have a little bit of flexibility to get there. And if you need to put in another couple hundred bucks, you have that room, that flexibility where you're not strapped so tight because you didn't fill the tank up right off the bat. Does it always work? Does it always work out? No, I've got my ass handed to me a couple of times where I'm like, oh, I didn't plan this out very well. And then I've had other times where you run a 2,500 mile week and you only spent 1,700 bucks of fuel for the week and your profit at the end of the week is much higher than you expected just because you didn't spend all the money in fuel. So I, I guess it, my perspective is nobody has a crystal ball, but you have to try to think ahead one or two steps because you never know what's going to happen after you get that load delivered. Or the other scenario is you pick the load up for two grand and you make it halfway through the trip and your truck breaks down or you have a tire blowout roadside service. They're not cheap anymore. If you bought enough fuel to get you from point A to point B, you got a little extra money to play with on that particular load. You have a tire blowout. Now you have a little bit of funds where you can absorb it, pay for your tire, pay for your roadside, still make it to point B and hopefully still have a little bit left in your pocket. So that way you can move on to your next load. Okay. So that makes sense. So you're saying you fill up to your destination amount roughly. And then from there, you're saving a little bit of money because that extra can be allocated towards spending money on other things. That's really, really smart. That has helped me. And I might have saved myself 300 bucks this week, but next week I might be heading west and facing very strong headwinds. And the $300 I saved this week, it might be gone next week because there are so many different factors that go into fuel mileage and trying to save money and get the best deal that you can. Like before we had this recent surge in fuel prices, the mom and pop shops that are in the middle of nowhere 
in the countryside, nine times out of 10, they had the best fuel prices around. Like for me, example, the Waterloo Petro, well, that's a corporate store. So they have set prices. Generally, they're higher than everybody else around here. Now with our fuel card program, there was times where I could see upwards of a dollar a gallon savings. Wow. But now that fuel has gone up and the discount has got smaller, they've closed the gap. It is more expensive to go to the Petro in my case, where I have a little mom and pop shop six miles down the road. And typically, even with my discount through the fuel card, they're still 25 to 30 cents cheaper than the fuel card with the discount. So I'll pull in there and get fuel whenever I can. So I think that's an important strategy is you don't always have to buy the big chain. And I'm not saying anything ill against them. I'm just saying when it comes to buying fuel, you need to be a savvy shopper. It really does help to shop around. And if you need to go off the beaten path, even if it adds another 25, 30 miles to your trip, if you can save yourself a hundred or 150 bucks, it's worth it. Wow. Yeah. These fuel saving tips are really solid. I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier that especially when crossing state lines, you're not necessarily always looking for the cheapest fuel. And given IFTA reporting and how all of that may balance out at the end of the quarter, could you walk us through an example of how you've made this work? Yeah. So it is public information where you can go and look up if the taxation rates. So I live here in New York and I, I primarily run the Northeast, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York, Vermont, Mass. Maine. So if I'm taking a trip south, if the taxation, it varies from state to state. So I know New York has a higher tax rate. Pennsylvania has a higher tax rate. And the if the reporting is based off the number of miles you drive in that state versus their calculation of how many gallons you should have bought for the miles driven in that state. So if I'm running back and forth between New York and Pennsylvania, a lot of times I have deliveries in Pennsylvania where I'm only inside the Pennsylvania state line, maybe five or 10 miles. I'll do two or three deliveries along the state border mm. and then back into New York. So I might only have 70 miles total for that day of Pennsylvania driving. I'll purchase fuel in New York where I know the tax rate is higher to offset my IFTA cost for that quarter. And then when I get toward the end of the month or the end of the quarter, I'll try to figure out I've roughly driven this many miles in Pennsylvania. I'll look it up online, look on their chart and go, okay, this many miles should have this many gallons. So toward the end of the quarter, I'll dip down into Pennsylvania. And I'll try to buy about the number of gallons they need or the reporting. So that way it's not cheating the system, but it's balancing the system out. Or if I need to, I'll go to a state where the tax rate is high. I'll try to overbuy fuel. And then that way I can get a rebate for that state, which will help me. That rebate will turn into a credit towards another state. 
So that way I try to keep my if the cost down as much as possible. Wow. Sometimes it works. Sometimes <laughs> it don't. You got to really pay attention to your numbers. Is there any fine print that we need to pay attention to? Keep up on what the tax rates are. Keep an idea how many miles you run state to state type of thing. It's a guessing game as you're going through the quarter. Every once in a while, you'll have an oddball load where you go in that state, maybe for two, 300 miles, you go in, you do a delivery or you do a pickup and you go right back out of the state and you might not be in that state for the rest of the quarter. So it's always a guessing game. If you knew all of the answers, you wouldn't even be in this industry. I'd get bored. I really do love trucking. I look at it as a big game of chess. And if there wasn't the trial and error, if there wasn't the unknowns, it would be boring, I think. When you'd start picking or trying to plan a load and you look at it and you go, okay, I got X amount of miles. I have X amount of hours. I can make X amount of money. And if everything lines up perfectly, this could be X amount of dollars could be my profit. Sometimes life will throw you a curveball and go, oh, hey, by the way, here's a blown tire. It's the thrill of the gambling. Yeah, it really is. What do you do when it doesn't work out? Walk us through what that looks like for you. Initially, it is look at my time. How much time do I have left? How much time do I have left on my logbook? How much time do I have left before I need to meet my appointment for pickup or delivery and get a generalized sense of where I am? The second thing is assess what the issue is. Something like a blown tire could turn into a much bigger problem. If you have a tire blowout on the trailer and the tire shreds, and the next thing you know, it's gotten into the airlines, the electrical, a simple blown tire could turn into hours and hours of extra work repairing all of the collateral damage. So assessment is number two. And then number three is pick a plan of how to get yourself out of that jam and then execute it. Call the tire shop, the repair shop, your dispatcher, your broker and say, Hey, look, this is what I got going on. This is what I've done. This is how long I think it may take. And then put the plan in motion, get the tire guy coming to you, get the repair shop. If you need a tow truck, get them. Time is precious with log books and appointment times and all these different factors. So if you can have a clear head, yes, you're always going to have that little bit of onset panic. Take a deep breath, clear your head, look at it, assess it. Pick a plan, execute it. So I want to go back to the very beginning of True North and what that looked like for you. Jen was on the podcast earlier and she talked about those first days on her side. And I want to know what your side of that story is. Oh boy, where do I start? <laughs> and Tom, I don't think we even mentioned, you talked about how Jen approached you, but why did Jen approach you? How do you guys even know each other? Miss Jinstedge is my cousin on my 
mom's side of the family. So we knew about our great grandparents or our grandparents having the family trucking company, but we were too young to really know what it was for Jin to approach me and say, Hey, look, Sanjay and I have this idea. We want to integrate trucking with technology. This is some of the things that we're going after. This is some of the things that we want to do and build. The idea was very intriguing, but there's also that factor of being scared shitless of leaving a very good job where I made plenty of money. I ran the truck as if it was mine and I had some freedoms. Yeah, it was a little nerve wracking. We were learning on the fly. I went out and purchased my truck. I went back to Jin and I said, Hey, Jin, I have a truck. Now what? So then we had to figure out the finer points of what was the relationship going to be between owner operator and true north to figure out the paperwork that had to be done and the drug testing and the driver history and so on and so forth. So we had to figure all that stuff out. And then it was, okay, our next step is how do we get the truck licensed and registered? Because before I had even bought the truck, Jin was working on getting the authority and getting DOT numbers and figuring out insurance and all those types of things. So then it, there was a lot of stuff going on all at the same time. And we had to figure out how to get all that stuff to jive together. Some days were very long, a lot of time on the telephone, a lot of time on the computer, a lot of airtime for Jin flying between her home and Texas, back and forth with the Department of Motor Vehicles and all the other things that we had to do. So the very beginning couple months, yeah, it was stressful. It wasn't anything that we couldn't rise to and overcome. What kind of tasks were you personally trying to take care of? Trailers, trailers. <laughs> okay, I had the truck, but I didn't have any trailer. And then the next issue that I saw was, which is something that a lot of people don't realize that when you are a brand new motor carrier, MC, there's a very select few number of brokers or shippers and receivers that will work with you because you haven't got past that first 90 day probation time to see if you're even going to be a viable company. So that was something else that I was thinking about making phone calls, trying to set up interviews and trying to seek out freight just to be able to work. And then on the other side of that is Jin and Sanjay and thinking about how to build the True North load board and the very early days of this is what we want it to do, what we think it may look like, how we want it to function. And a lot of it for me was giving input. And then I would, in my circle, I would go around and say, hey, what do you guys think about this? Is this something that you would like? What were some of those ideas that are now a part of the True North app? Do you remember? Like I said earlier, Time and money is precious. So the way I was viewing it is if you are bouncing from one load board to the next, if you're looking through six, seven, eight different load boards, trying to find a load, you're losing time and mm -hmm. effectively you're losing money. And, but the concept of doing that 
taking all those load boards and putting them into one space where I can punch in point A to point B and it's going to show me all of the loads available within the parameters that I set from all these different load boards. And then I can pick the cream of the crop and I just saved myself a whole bunch of time. How did that feel when you finally saw that happen? Honestly, I still have the same feeling from then until now. The first time when they said, here's what we have, it's primitive, but this is what we're thinking. And for me to lay my eyes on it and go, wow, yes, this is what we need to do. There was that feeling of excitement and just happiness. They take the idea from my brain and they can turn it into a computer software program. And then I can open it up and go, wow, this is exactly what we're looking for. That is a amazing feeling, it's like a rush of euphoria. I can imagine that being such an amazing thing where you go from, wouldn't it be nice to suddenly it's here. Even if it's just primitive, just knowing that it's out there, that's a big deal. And a lot of people don't realize is Jin, that girl is a machine. And in the good way, she is the person that if she has an idea and she sets her mind to it, look out. Because here she comes. If she has a goal that she wants to achieve, it's going to get done. And for me personally, I still am in awe of what we've accomplished as a whole. First, it was Sanjay and Jin, and then I came into it. And then we had another fellow that came into it. And then my wife, Stacy, came into it. Have I been afforded the opportunity to give some guidance, have people bounce ideas off me? Is that what I'm here for? Yes. I will always try to help. Tom, you were the first person besides Jen that I talked to when I started here. And I remember we were on the phone for, gosh, I don't even know. It was a while. And I remember Jen specifically saying at that time, talk to Tom. And I was like, who is Tom? So then I found out that you were a truck driver. And I was like, oh, okay, this makes sense. It took me a while for me to realize that you were a laser jink. I thought that she was telling me to talk to you because you just have a lot of information. You do have some kind of authority in this company. <laughs> like people really do value your opinion here. When Jen first approached with the idea of being the first owner operator and helping True North, the one thing that made me hesitate, and it truly has nothing to do with Jen personally, probably one of my biggest fears is I don't want the business relationship to ruin family relationship. Jin is my family first and foremost, and I have a special relationship with her on the family side, but then I also have a business relationship with Jin. And I made a rule up very early on that family is family, business is business. And there's been a couple of times where Jin and I will be having a business telephone call and discussing different ideas and the phone call would come to an end. You'd hang up. 
And then four or five minutes later, the phone would ring again and it's Jen going, oh, hey, how's so-and-so in the family and how are you mm -hmm. doing with the kids? And so that is one thing that I immensely respect Jen for is even though it wasn't one of her rules, she has respected that rule for me that we don't mix family with business because I don't want to lose a family member in a relationship because of a business thing that one person or the other might not agree with. That to me is very important. The True North drivers are so sweet and they care so much about the kinds of contacts that they make here. I've been out to lunch with the driver and I've uh, seen people meet up while they're on vacation and I know you specifically have a lasting impression on True North, but not only that, the drivers really love you. And so I want to talk a little bit more about your mentorship that you do under True North. And I know that's not an official title, but you do get a lot of calls and you do a lot of outreach. It is no secret. I do talk to a lot of the guys and gals in the fleet. And honestly, it's something that I do enjoy. Everybody needs help, myself included. I've called guys and said, hey, look, I'm thinking about this. This is not an area that I run. I know that you run this area quite often. What do you think? Is it worth it? Is this somebody that you, you have dealt with before? So I'll seek out advice from other drivers. And Folks will seek out advice from me. In the early days of True North, Jin, myself, and Stacy, we all shared the responsibilities of recruiting, onboarding, and paperwork. Then it came down to Stacy and I here in New York would do the orientation for the drivers. And for us, because it was the very early days of True North, it was primitive. We would go to the truck stop. We would pre-set up a time and a date to meet a driver or a group of drivers. And Stacy and I would do orientation on the tailgate of our pickup. We had Wi-Fi ability in the pickup. Stacy would connect her computer to the Wi-Fi and as Stacy was taking care of the drivers on the paperwork aspect and the fuel card and getting them set up in the system, I would be walking around the truck and do an unofficial check over of the truck. And if something needed to be pointed out, you know, hey, this tire, it's not illegal yet, but you might want to think about getting this changed in the next little while. Or, hey, I don't know if you missed it, but this light is out. And really, that was in the beginning how I would make my connection with the drivers is I wasn't there to tear them down and tell them what they're doing wrong and all that type of thing. We viewed it as this was the first time the new incoming owner operator was putting a face to a voice over the phone for us to be there in person, meet these folks, shake their hand settle their fears, answer their questions. That's a big deal. How many drivers were there during those first orientations? I think Stacy and I did the first 36, seven or eight. 
and then it was transitioned to Texas. And really, it was a decision that was made where the spring and summer of 2020 was pandemic, COVID. A lot of people were working remote at home. We weren't sure of indoor office space type orientations. We did all of our orientations outdoors where there could be space and everybody could be safe. But then as summer was starting to dwindle down, the realization quickly came up on me of, oh shit, wintertime is right around the corner. Yeah. And I don't want to be standing here in the parking <laughs> lot in the middle of January <laughs> when it's 10 yeah. degrees and snowing. Mm -hmm. So that's ultimately probably the biggest factor to transition everything to Texas and establish our office and our yard down there. Gotcha. So you weren't freezing your ass off and you had a space. I love living in New York. Granted, yeah. I don't always love the taxes, but I love living in New York because of the seasons. I get a spring, I get a summer, I get a fall, and then I get a winter. <laughs> and even though I complain about them all, I still love it here. Do you have a favorite season? Summer. Even if it's too hot? I will go outside and I will wash my truck when it's 105 degrees just so I can leave the next day with a shiny truck. Wow, you are a dedicated trucker. I would be indoors or I would be puddle of something on the ground. No, I'm not I'm saying I won't much. hose myself down a time or two. <laughs> if it means that I can have a four or five day stretch where the yeah. weather is real nice and I don't have to worry about rain, the truck and trailer is getting washed. Okay. And what kind of truck do you have? I have a 2011 Peterbilt 389. I've seen your ads everywhere. So I want to talk a little bit about your TikTok presence because you have a little bit of a TikTok presence here. What are your favorite TikToks? Dark humor, light humor, poking fun at politics, the trucker talk niche i like to follow that i like to see trucks and trailers and listen to guys and everybody has their own view of how trucking is everybody has their own perspective because the thing about it is there is no two owner operators that are identical what i owe on my truck are not going to be the same as the next truck in our fleet yes we all shared the same insurance policy and the plates and some of those things but how much i spend in fuel is not going to be the same as everybody else how much i spend in truck washes every year is not going to be the same as everybody else so the type of tiktoks i like to make they're based around trucking i'll make tiktoks about my kids and the goofy things that they do and it's just if i think it's funny and it's light humored. And if I can bring a smile to somebody's face, great. I've done a couple ads for True North. When I did the first one as like a recruitment video, I really didn't know what to expect. And the responses were mixed. Some folks loved it. Some folks hated it. The very first one, I was wearing my hat backwards and I was at home and I was recording yeah. this video. And really, it wasn't scripted by anybody. It was, I was literally sitting there watching TV and I saw a commercial for a 
local trucking company. And I'm like, you know what? They're on TV. They have to pay for that. So I grabbed my phone. I went outside and I just started talking. And I had turned my hat around because the hat I was wearing was a customer's hat with their logo and their brand on it. And because I didn't have their permission and I didn't want to get in trouble, I just turned my hat around, not even thinking about it. Yep. A few days after the video was posted, I was scrolling down through the comments and there was one comment I came across and it simply said, I'm not going to trust a guy who wears his hat backwards. And I'm like, <laughs> what the hell does wearing my hat backwards have to do with trust? So during that time, when you posted that video, I was going towards marketing. So one of my first tasks was to moderate the Facebook comments. Which I read those but, and some of them were absolutely hilarious. Yeah, I know. And my job was to figure out which ones we were able to keep and which ones we wanted to get rid of. That was my first task. And this hat created so much controversy and it made my job infinitely harder. And I was just like, it's just a hat. Calm down, everyone. But everyone was going bonkers over it. So, yes, I remember that very well. Stacy and I keep a small circle. So for me to step outside my comfort zone and make a video like that, it was purely for the intention to help True North grow. I don't care if people know who I am. I don't care to have fame. I believe in this organization. So for me to make the videos, it was, and it still is, I want to help True North grow because I see a bigger future with True North. And it, it took me a while in the beginning to see it, to understand what Jin and Sanjay were driving towards and what the ultimate goal was and how to get there. And yes, the goals change from time to time but the core principle is still there the profit to truckers slogan is it harder to make profit nowadays yes absolutely fuel prices insurance but as long as true north stays true to what they say it's still viable yeah and we are trying to build something new which is another thing that makes it so difficult there is no path. You just go follow and we'll be successful. It's not about that. It's creating something completely new, which means that it takes a lot more time. And the amount of things that we've been able to accomplish in a short amount of time and to have people like you who started with us from the very beginning and are still here is a real testament to the things that we're building and the amount of work that we put into this. Oh, yeah. So personally, I want to say thank you for all your feedback and everything that you've done to make this company what it is today so that we can have more truckers on the road. I don't think we say thank you enough. Thank you for everything that you do. Ah, uh, shucks. You're going to make me blush. You bring up an interesting thought that just rolls through my brain is when we first started, did I have reservations? Yes. Mm -hmm. Did I think some things could be impossible? I used to think that way. And now that we're in the space that we are, I want the other folks in our fleet to understand, even if you're having a shitty day, even if you're having a bad week, a 
bad month. If your truck goes down and it's in the shop for a month and a half or longer, it's not the end of the game. You might have to play the game a little bit harder. That if you want it, you can do it. It is a tough thing and you're feeling like everything's just going to hell in the handbasket. And you wake up in the morning, you're like, what am I going to do? The biggest thing that I view it, don't give up. Really, honest to God. Because the second you give up, you might as well sell your truck and give the keys to somebody else. There is money to be made. Even though, like right now, fuel prices are up. Truck freight volume is down. Rates have come down. Even with all those factors, there's still money to be made. You might have to work a little harder to find it, but it's still there. You might have to go off the beating path and knock on a door to a shipper or a receiver and say, hey, look, I run under True North. I'm not necessarily interested in running loadboard freight. I've done one-year loads before. I don't want to be a shithead, but how could I possibly work with you and become an in-house carrier? And that's something that I did with a company and I'm still working for them, working under them, moving their freight. And you have to be able to build that relationship. Even when you think all the world is turned against you, you just, you can't give up. You got to keep pushing forward. Tom, I wanted to echo Milan and also thanking you because I share a very similar experience. My first day at True North about six months ago, I heard your name from 10 different people. And I think we oh talked boy. on <laughs> all good things, of course. I think we talked on maybe my second day at True North. And then as I started to talk to more and more drivers, kept hearing your name again and again. And I think it's just another example of the many ways that you've influenced this company, this community in such an impactful way. And I think that is one piece we haven't really talked too much about yet is the community side of True North. Tell us about outside of the operational aspects of the company, of leading orientations and helping support people's business. How have you helped to create the community that we have here today? There is the Facebook page. There was a fella who was a True North employee. He was a truck driver. Him and I came up with the idea of the Facebook True North Owner Operators Only page. And the idea behind it was we wanted a closed gate community where there was no office staff because one of the concerns that I had is in order to build this community, I was hesitant to let office staff in. If the guys and gals are going to be part of that page, I wanted them to be able to be themselves. If they wanted to come on there and rant, let them rant. If they wanted to come on there and share trucker humor, that's the kind of space and community I wanted it to be. But ultimately, I didn't have enough time in the day where I could sit down and really dedicate to grow that. So I handed it off to you and Milan and you gals have been able to take it and grow it. And you have been able to bridge where 
Okay, now it is owner operators and office staff mm -hmm. and the folks within that community. It's still a closed gate community. Only true North people can be part of it. And if a driver's having a bad day and they're pissed off because of fuel prices or whatever the case may be, they can go on there and post their thing and it can help the office folks understand or see what we put up with on a day-to-day -day basis. Or if office staff wants to go in there and share a funny meme, they can do that. It's not a space where it's just meant for bitching and complaining, but it's a space where everybody can be involved and everybody can share their opinion. And I remember some of my mentors, you hear people talk about the brotherhood of trucking. And that's what I was hoping to develop is even if it's our own little closed community, if we can build the brotherhood within our fleet, that's awesome. Like the other day, one of the drivers posted something and the very first line was, help, I'm in a pickle. And yep. to me, that is awesome because he knows that he was trying to figure out how to get a load done, get it moved or whatever the circumstance was. But he came to the internal side of True North and said, hey, look, I need help. Is there anybody that can help me? And he came there without reservations of being judged or being looked at as failure. He came in there looking specifically for help to get the damn job done. And that's really what I was hoping the page would be. It's a really nice foundation that we can build off of. And all of that energy and camaraderie. And like you said, the brotherhood, even though, of course, we have lots of sisterhood there as well, is because of how you started it. Okay. So we are going to wrap this whole thing up, but I have one last question. I asked Jen if she had any questions that she wanted you to answer. And her question was that you've been such a great mentor to all these new owner ups, and she wants to know a bit more about what kind of mentorship you've had in your trucking experience and how did they make a difference in your life? Oh gosh. I got three main guys. My dad, even though he is not a truck driver, he was a carpenter by trade. My grandfather, he was a jack of all trades, drove truck, worked on machinery, all kinds of different stuff. And then my uncle who we lost this past September due to some health problems. My uncle was a small business owner, the water delivery. And for him to run a small business for 30 years and own his own trucks, drive his own trucks, work on his trucks, deal with the customers, talk to the customers, setting up schedules and dealing with insurance and fuel. And the list goes on. My uncle was probably my biggest influence and mentor when it comes to the trucking side, but my grandfather and my dad are the other thirds of that equation where those three men, and of course my mom, my grandmother, and my aunt, everybody has a share in the person I am now. And then there's also, there's a handful of other owner operators and friends who are company drivers. I like to, number one, I like to talk to people. 
I might not always like people, but I do like to talk to them. I like to look at what other people do and look, listen, learn. I try to take a little piece from everybody. Like my former boss, he gave me a piece of advice of don't look at making money minute by minute or day by day. You need to look at the average as a whole. So this week may be a good week. Next week is a bad week. And then you have two more good weeks. And at the end of the month, if you can take all your numbers and they average out higher than the goal that you set, you had a good month. And that's a piece of advice that I apply every day. There's a lot of people who have contributed and have helped me get to where I am. And I will always be thankful for that. I think it's nice to have mentors that are not necessarily in your field, but you can still take those lessons from them. I often feel like some of my best lessons that I've learned in my life is never come from people who are doing exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. And because they can have a perspective that you may not see because you're in it. There's a owner operator in our fleet right now where he'll randomly text me at one o'clock in the morning and go, Hey, blah, 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 blah. What do you think? And it could be about anything. Like <laughs> if I was in your shoes, I would probably do this. And it makes me feel good that people can put that trust into me. I hope I never steer anybody wrong. I don't want people to fail. I want people to be owner operators, make mad money and retire when they're 50. If I can help contribute to that, even if it's just a simple conversation, awesome. All right. Thank you, Tom, for being here. We really appreciate you giving us a little bit of your time and telling us a little bit about True North's origin story. I love me a good origin story. And this one is fascinating. And we really appreciate every step of the journey that you contributed into True North. I really appreciate you guys having me as a guest. I don't always view myself as a big part of True North. I feel that I'm a small piece of the pie. And all I want to do is try to help people. And yeah, just keep moving forward. Thank you, Tom. It really has been such a pleasure. And I think I speak for the entire company when I say people see you as a huge piece of the puzzle. And yeah, it's just been awesome getting to know you and talking to you. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Let It Ride with True North. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and share with a friend. For more information on how True North supports real owner operators like you just heard, follow us on Facebook at True North Transportation Co., find us on Instagram, or on our blog at truenorthfleet.com. Let It Ride with True North is a production of True North Transportation. This episode was edited, produced, and hosted by me, Milan Allen. See you next time.